coming out of Egypt and going into the wilderness. And uh, to now we're going to talk about them heading into the promised land. This is going to be the last lesson before the New Testament. So this is the fifth lesson. This is the last, test, uh, last lesson. We're going to end up and uh, we're going to be finishing out the, uh, the uh, Old Testament today. And then next lesson, lesson number six, we're going to be going into, praise God, the New Testament. Amen. And so let's talk about the promised land. Amen. The promised land. God gave them the promised land. Moses brought them out of Egypt and brought them over into the wilderness. And during that, during that time, uh, praise the Lord, Israel wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. They didn't have to wander for 40 years, but because of their unbelief in God, uh, God would not allow them to go into the promised land. You know, the Lord wants us to be happy, but we've got to believe him and trust him. Praise God to go into the promised land. Egypt was a sign of, was a, was a, was a, a thing of the world, the things of the world. And we came out of Egypt, crossed over the water through our baptism, and we came into the wilderness, and God began to work with Israel. He wanted to work some things out of Israel. If you look at Israel as a nation, you can look as, at you and I. There were Israel as a nation made it over into the promised land, but there was a lot of things that was in Israel that could not go over into the promised land. And one of those was unbelief. God had to take away their unbelief, praise the Lord. And so he worked on that to get Israel over into the promised land. And so Moses came up to a rock, and because of his frustrations with the children of Israel, uh, Moses got angry, and instead of speaking to the rock like God had told him to, he smote the rock. Now, God's grace was great because he went ahead and let the water flow. But God told Moses that because of that, he was not going to be able to enter over into the promised land. And so Moses was taken upon a mountain, and he was shown all of the promised land. And, you know, Brother um, Chuck and I was talking about how uh, Martin Luther King capitalized on that, when he said, I've been to the mountain and I've seen the promised land. And so it's amazing how many people today will take excerpts out of the word of the Lord uh, to uh, uh, use. And it just seems like God blesses them because of that. But Moses looked over into the promised land, but he was never allowed to go there. God had allowed him to die and, and the Lord buried him. And so a man by the name of Joshua... Uh, took the the um, the rim, the hold of the of the uh, of the leadership, and after his death, Joshua took it and he brought the Israelites over into the Promised Land. It started uh, after forty years in the wilderness. It started, praise the Lord, with Joshua and Caleb, when Joshua and Caleb said that uh, we could make it, we can go over. But the rest of the ten, ten uh, spies said, no, we can't, no, we can't. And so because of that, Joshua and Caleb was able to live through it. But all the nations, <clears throat> all of the elderly people uh, had to die off. And it had to be the young people. So 
for, for the next 40 years, they traveled in the wilderness. But then they came to, eventually, the, they had all died, except Joshua and Caleb. Moses is deceased. And uh, uh, they began to cross over into the Jordan. They wanted to enter over into Canaan's land. Canaan's land to us is like heaven's going to be. And you know, we don't have to wait to get to heaven to have a little heaven. We can have a little heaven down here. Praise God. We can be in the Holy Ghost and in the presence of the Lord and in the Spirit of God. And we can have a little heaven down here. Amen. We don't have to wait to go to heaven. I can have peace in the Lord down here. And so to enter into Canaan land, the Israelites had to cross over the River Jordan. And when the priest stepped into the Jordan River, the Bible said that the waters divided. And the priest went into the middle of Jordan and stood until all of Israel had passed over Jordan. And they took some stones and they built a memorial in the middle of the river. And then they took some stones out of the river, which would be different type of stones, and built a memorial on the banks. And the reason they did that was they did not want you to forget what God, is, what God had did for them. God gives us things in life, like with Jacob. He gave him a, a thing with his, uh, out of the, the hollow of his thigh so that the rest of his life he would limp and he would limp and he would limp. Praise God, remembering. God does things in our lives to help us to remember. He allows things to happen to, so that we can remember. Praise the Lord. Memory is a wonderful thing. We need to remember the things of God, and we need to continue to remember them. Take pictures or whatever, and just go back and, and look at pictures. I know sometimes when I get down about what God is doing, I will go back with pictures of old in the old days where we had vacation Bible school and different things. And God blesses me with remembering what God has done in our lives. So the Hebrews had entered over into the promised land, which is a type of promising, or going over into uh, the promises of God today. Praise God. You see, we go through trials and we go through troubles and we go through tests in the wilderness. And God is trying to build us and to make us strong. He's trying to get doubt out of us. He had to do it to Israel so that they could get over into the promised land. And he does it to us today. Praise God. And so Israel had faced the fact that they were in Egypt, which was bondage. Israel's 40 years of wandering was a type of result of, uh, because of their failing to not believe God the way that they should be believing God. And so God had to get rid of all their doubt and all their fears, praise God. But once over into the promised land, uh, God had, had to use them to make battles. There were some battles that they had to win. God promised them things, but there were some battles. God promises us things. He promised us we're going to win, but there is a war. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So the promise of the blessings would be long to Israel, but they had to obey God. Amen. Israel had to fight, but God worked miraculously in their lives, and he gave them the victory. Can you imagine, amen, Jericho, when Israelites came up against Jericho? It, it, Jericho watched that great nation of Israel, 
As they began to march around their city, the first day they marched once. The second day they marched again once. The third day. And so it probably they started to let down their guard. Well, I guess they're just getting a good workout. Praise God. Instead of going to a workout center, they're just marching around the wall. They're getting their laps in today. And they kept marching and they kept marching and they kept marching. But the Bible says that God told them on the seventh day, he wanted them to march seven times and then shout. And of course, you know, the walls fell. The Bible says the walls fell. Israel uh, fought and he destroyed. Those are some of the things that God did for them, helping them to overcome. Israel fought against Ai. And uh, they sent about two or 3,000 people up to fight against Ai. Amen. And the battle did not go well. The battle was bad. And so they lost. It could, they should have won, but they lost. They come back totally disappointed and was wondering why. Why is it that it did not go well? And the Lord told Joshua, he said, there's sin in the camp. You see, sin keeps us from being victorious with God. Amen. And it kept Israel from being victorious that day. These are lessons that we can learn. They're lessons that we can apply to our lives. Because when there's sin in the camp, and God told uh, uh, Joshua, he said, there's sin in the camp. And Joshua says, I'm not sure how. And by a process of elimination, God allowed, amen, for Achan to be known as the one who had stolen, it was a gold wedge, it was a, 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 an idol of their gods, amen, that he stole and he hid it in his tent. And God called him out and the Bible says, it's amazing to me, I'd hate it been related to Achan because not only Achan was killed, but his family was killed. Some of them probably didn't even realize what was going on, but God felt that the whole family needed to die and so... They all died. Praise God. If we live in sin, praise the Lord, we defeat God's purpose for victorious living. You know, let me just say this today. There are so many things that God puts in our hands. The Bible said, amen, if you seek him first, he'll give you the desires of your heart. We can say, Lord, I want to be blessed. Lord, I want to, uh, you know, uh, I want to, I want to you know, have my desires. But the Lord already told us, if you do this, you'll get this. If you live for me, you know, you'll have this. If you trust me, you'll be successful. Praise God. If you give, it shall be given unto you. I just have to say this about giving. I had a businessman the other day. That, this is so cute. I never would have thought of this. But uh, he said the Lord told him that he wanted him to give a missions, $100 a month to missions. And he said, um, or $200 a month to missions. He said, and the first thing he said was, Lord, do you know how much taxes I have to pay on that $200 that I've made? I busted out laughing. I said, I have never thought of that, would have never thought of that. Lord, I'm going to give $200. Do you know I had to pay the taxes on that $200, Lord? Praise God. I just busted out laughing. And he said, do you know? that one of my employees came to me and said, since you hired me, he said, you can get a deduction on your taxes from the government. And he said, that year I got $2,400 back from the government because I hired him. 
So you can't outgive God. You say, I want to give to I want to be give, I want to be blessed. Well, if you bless, if you want to be blessed, then you bless. If you want to be blessed, go out and do something for people so that God will bless you. Given it shall be given. So there's so many things that God puts into our own hands. Praise God. But the Lord wanted to subdue the, the nations and the villages and the army. And Israel did. They began to subdue. God began to give them victory. Joshua was the great leader. Israel, by the power of God, subdued the land. And it was being used of God and for God and for the things of God. And the 12 tribes began to accomplish that. And Joshua 14 tells us, amen, that he had given them a long life of services. It was Joshua that said, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Praise God. And so Joshua died. Amen. And then God began to no longer work according to leaders, but God gave them judges. Amen. They went into uh, apostate state where they get, got into idols and all these things. You know, Baal. I've done a lot of study on Baal lately. And the thing about Baal was, amen, Israel didn't denounce God. They just accepted Baal. And it wasn't long until Baal eventually moved God out of Israel. That's the way it worked. We're seeing that today. America hasn't rejected God. I mean, you can still see billboards about Jesus. You know, are you ready to meet your maker and et cetera? Hey, man, but the problem is they've, all, they've accepted other gods, and eventually those other gods are going to get rid of the, the one known real God. And so Joshua died, and the people fell into apostasy, and uh, Israel fell into their deepest sin after the, just, after the death of Joshua, and, because he was a good leader. But the problem with sin is it led them into captivity. It's amazing to me how that a nation can be so strong in the Lord and the things of God, and then all of a sudden they will go into uh, turning against God and the things of God, and then how that all of a sudden, hey man, they will get to where they get in bad shape. I mean, as America today, it's getting bad, praise the Lord, but uh, God is still there, hey man. There were 15 judges in all. One of them was a woman by the name of Deborah. Two were priests, Eli and Samuel. The two were prophets, uh, Deborah and Samuel. Uh, Elhead was a left-handed Benjamite who delivered Israel from the Moabites. Uh, Shamgar slew 600 Philistines with the ox gourd. There were two judges, Gideon and Samson. You know the story about them. Gideon, thy mighty man of our Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Praise God. And so they were judges of that day. Judges 17 and 6 summarizes it. It says that the lack of spiritual direction of Israel. It says in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. <clears throat> they didn't follow the things of God. They said, I just think this is right. I just think that's right. And we're living in that kind of day today. He men where people think, I just think this is right. I just think that's right. That's exactly the state that Israel was in when they began to go downhill and when other nations came in and took over them. You see, God used those judges with Israel. 
Amen. <clears throat> Before he used the first king. Amen. <clears throat> but Israel wanted a king. <clears throat> they wanted a king like other nations. And so they went to Samuel and they said, Samuel, we want a king. And when, praise the Lord, they seen the other nations, they wanted a king like them. Amen. And Judges uh, tells about that. Praise God. And after they gave them judges about a space of 400 years until Samuel became prophet, Acts 13 tells us that. And so the, let's talk about the, the, the United Kingdom. Praise the Lord. Israel demands a king. And so Samuel ruled over Israel, and he, uh, that is a spiritual side. There's always two powers in the world. There is the government side, and there is the spiritual side. Amen. And those are the two main rules of the world. And so those two, rule, those two rulers, the spiritual and the uh, governmental. And so Samuel dealt with the nation, their nation, as in, in a spiritual sense. But they wanted a king, just like other nations. And so they went to Samuel. And they said, we want a king. Tell God we want a king. And we're not satisfied with spiritual leadership. We want a king like other nations. Samuel told him, he said, look, he said, your king is going to take the best of your men. He's going to take the best of your fields. He's going to take the best of everything you got. Well, we want a king. We want a king. We want a king. And so God began to move, amen, upon them to give them a king. Praise God. Uh, Amen. You see, it was never the will of God for them to have a king. A king was going to mess them up. But the thing about God is, God will try to get you to do his will. But if you don't do his will, amen, he'll go ahead and give you your will. That's why Jesus, whenever he was being ready to be crucified, the Lord said, not my will, but thy will be done. There are many times in our lives that we push for our own will. You know, the Lord asked me about something, something that he, I just felt like the Lord says, do you want that? And it was something major, actually. And I just simply said to the Lord, I said, Lord, if you want me to have it, I don't care. What, you know, if it comes my way, that's fine. If it doesn't come my way, that's fine. And I think that's the best way for us to be. Lord, whatever your will is, you know, the Lord says, I, you know, I felt like if I said yes, the Lord would have got, got it for me. Or, but I just said, Lord, it was a direction. I said, Lord, whatever your will is, whatever your will is, I don't care. You know what's best. You know, I've had instances in my life where I've asked God for things, pushed for things, been angry with him when he's not given me what I wanted. Praise the Lord to find out that if I would have got that, amen, I would have been in a lot of trouble. Praise God. And so we've got to say, not my will, but they wanted a king. And so God said, okay, you're going to have a king. And so, praise the Lord, he went ahead and, and got them a king. And so his first king, praise the Lord, that God chose was out of the tribe of Benjamin. And it was by the name of Saul. Saul stood head and shoulders over Israel. He was a courageous man. Praise God. And he did very well in the beginning of his life. Praise the Lord. His character had changed drastically when he began to get power. And when he began to get knowledge. And when he began to get power, Saul, he, man, took it on. 
he forgot his place in the Lord. And uh, he even overrode Samuel the priest and took over Samuel's job at times. And God got angry with him. Saul, later years, was filled with very many mistakes and his sins. It overshadowed his previous good doings. Saul got so low once that he even went to a witch in Endor and, and tried to get counsel from a witch. I'm just going to say this about going to a soothsayer. I just personally believe that when a person goes to a soothsayer, they open their life up. God says, okay, if that's what you want, they will speak the future into your life. So you have to be careful. But Saul went to a soothsayer, and that soothsayer, praise the Lord, uh, it, it was just a bad situation. But that's how bad Saul got. He, man, because when you don't have God, you can get, really get bad. Praise the Lord. And so Saul went there. Amen. And so it was a time when Saul went and uh, he did battle. And Samuel told him, he said, I want you to kill everything. But Saul didn't. He brought things back. And he brought King Agag back alive. And Samuel said to him, he said, what is that I hear? And he said, well, I brought sacrifices unto the Lord. You know, I was thinking about this. He, man, God has, owns everything. We can't, we, we, we go to work and we get some money and we put it in our account. We pay our tithes and, and we think I'm giving this to God. Well, don't we realize God owns it all? It's all his. So one of my kids asked me one day, said, Dad, why does God want you to pay tithes? Praise the Lord. And, and the thing of it is, amen, God, it's, it's your way of showing God, amen, that you love him and that you respect him and that you put him first. That's all it is. When Saul brought this sheep, praise the Lord, to be sacrificed to the Lord, God was more interested in his obedience than his his sacrifice. Praise God. When you sacrifice unto the Lord, whatever you sacrifice, you fact sacrifice your time, your money, your effort, your body, whatever. Praise the Lord. That means more to God your sacrifice than what you're given. That's why this is good, Lord. That's why when the woman gave the small pence, God says she's given more than the rich has given. Because she gave out of a sacrifice, and they gave out of their abundance. And so, praise God. It's, so, Paul, so the Lord told uh, Saul, told, I'm sorry, Samuel told Saul, he said, praise God, it's better to obey than to sacrifice. <clears throat> and so Saul got to the point to where he lost track with God. When you lose track with God, things get really bad. And he lost track with God. He lost his relationship with God. We need to keep our relationship with God more than anybody else in this world. God needs to be the most important thing. And when Saul ended up losing, I'm sorry, when, yeah, when Saul ended up losing his relationship with God, then he turned ugly, even to the point to where he was fearful of David. He should have said, you know what, David? Hey, man, praise God. If God wants to use you, come on. If he can do better by you, come on. Let, he could have ushered David in. David would have been raised. David would have taken care of Saul. 
David would have taken care of Saul's family. David would have made Saul knowledgeable, great, uh, but he, Saul killed himself. You see, the thing of it is, we're so afraid of what other people's going to do to us, but it is really within that we destroy ourselves. Saul destroyed himself from within. Praise God. It was Saul that destroyed himself by going after and trying to kill David. And you know what the amazing thing is? And the amazing thing is, David could have killed him a couple times, but didn't. Saul would have done it in a second and couldn't. I've seen things in life where people would have killed somebody if they could have done it. They would have destroyed them. They would have destroyed their reputation. They were envious of them. They hated them, but they couldn't bring them down. Praise the Lord. But on the other hand, the other person could have really wiped them off the map, but didn't do it or wouldn't do it. So just remember, it's not from the outside that you could become destroyed. It's from the inside. And when we look at the life of Saul, we understand that we could die from within. Saul destroyed himself, but David came along. David was the second king. Saul was for 40 years. David was coming along. David was the second king in the United Kingdom. Praise God. And he was one of the best loved characters. David was anointed king. Samuel anointed him when he was just a young boy. Went into the family. They pulled all the boys up one by one by one by one. God told David, God told Samuel, he said, don't look on the outward. He said, God looks on the heart. Praise God. You might say, well, you know, I, I'm not good looking. I'm not got a lot of care. I'm telling you, God looks on the heart. He looked at David and he said, there's a man after my own heart. And so God anointed him as king in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Praise God. God says, he's a man after his own heart. Acts 13 and 22. Praise the Lord. And he was truly, his heart was tender towards the things of God. He wrote Psalms, which is a wonderful book. David slays the Goliath. One day when David came in from taking care of his sheep, his dad said, I want you to take some stuff down to your brother. So he goes marching down to his brother. And he saw Goliath standing on a hill. And uh, he had had some history. Uh, there, he took care of his father's sheep. One time a lion came out and he killed it. One time a bear came out and he killed it. So he understood a little bit about fighting. He stood one day and he watched his brothers and all of a sudden he heard a voice. And it was a voice of a giant called Goliath. And Goliath not only defied Israel, but he defied their God. I want to tell you something. If anybody's going to pick on me, I'd... And they go to, I would like them to pick on my God because <laughs> then I got him on my side, praise God. But Goliath picked on him, amen, and he picked on his God. He downed his God. He not only went against David or Israel, but he went against their God, praise the Lord. And it irritated David. And David's brother, you could see it in what David's brother said. He said to David, he said, what are you doing here? He said, why don't you go home and take care of your puny little sheep? He was uh, sarcastic. He didn't have the right spirit or right attitude. And I like what David said to him. David said, amen, 
are we're not the ones in trouble. We're not the ones. My battle's not with you. And you know, I think that's one of the things we need to do in life. When we have troubles with people on this earth, we need to look at them and say, hey, my, my fight ain't really with you. I'm out to get a devil. Praise God. I, my, my fight ain't with you. My argument ain't with you. I'm not going to fight with you. I'm out to, to kill a giant. And uh, that was David's desire. He said to his brother, hey, look, you know, I mean, he, if his brother would have tangled him up in that, the story might have been different. Goliath might have not ever been killed. But because David kept his eye on his enemy, if we can keep our eye on our enemy. And so David looked and said, no, my fight's not with you. Praise God. And Goliath was a big man. He was a huge man. He was about nine feet tall. And although David was a youth, he had his faith in God. And, you know, it just blows my mind when I read the story about how that, uh, praise God, Saul would take David with his sling and send him out there. Now, you got to remember, if they fail, then they're going to be Goliath's servants. I mean, there was a lot weighing on this. And he sent a little boy out there with a sling. But you got to look at it is the fact that God can move in all things. You're looking at situations in your life and you're saying, I don't understand how that's going to work. I don't understand how I'm going to get that house. I don't understand how we're going to get a new church. I don't understand how, praise God, this situation is going to, you know, uh, whatever it might be. I don't understand how, you know, this sickness that I have is going to be healed or whatever. But see, we've got to understand that we serve a God that can not only work physically, but he can work emotionally on people. He can work emotionally on things. Amen. And so he can cause someone to just, just come right out and say, hey, amen, I, I, I just feel in the will of the Lord to do this. Praise the Lord. And he, he'll do that. Amen. So David's problems and David's victories. The great victory of David brought him much praise. And, but King Saul was uh, very jealous. He was cruel. He went after uh, David very much. Praise God. Saul's greatest desire was uh, in the remaining years was to destroy David. And although David loved God and uh, wanted to please him, his life was not without spot or, or uh, blemish. Praise God. He became king, and while he was in the armies of Israel, <clears throat> he was fighting against Ammon. David took some time off and went home, and he got up on his roof. He looked down, and he saw a woman by the name of Bathsheba. The best thing he could have done was just turned his head and went his own way and said, no, no, but he didn't. He invited her up, and one thing led into another. And finally, him and Bathsheba had committed adultery. She came back a few weeks later, month maybe. She's pregnant. He calls her husband in, Uriah, and he uh, tries to get him to stay at home. He will not stay at home. And so uh, he ends up having Uriah killed, marries Bathsheba, all's great, nobody knows anything, and uh, everything's great until the prophet came. The prophet came, and the prophet said unto David, he said, I've got a story for you. And David's like, okay, give me the story. And he said, there was a man that had many sheep, many, many sheep, 
And he said beside him was a man that had only one sheep. He loved that sheep dearly. He cared for it. He petted it. He took care of it. And uh, the man had some people come. He wanted to have a feast. And instead of using all, any one of the sheep that he had, he used his neighbor's one sheep. Praise the Lord. And I just believe that David, in the back of his mind, praise the Lord, he did not relate to it. But I think in the back of his mind, it tapped into his conscience, and he come out in a rage. And uh, the prophet said unto him, he said, David, thou art the man. And David realized what he had done. David asked God for forgiveness, and of course, there's always consequences to your sin. And David's sin got him into a lot of trouble. Praise God. It, although David was a man after God's own heart, God did not overlook his great sin Amen. And he sent the prophet Nathan. Praise God. And there were two men in one city and one rich. And I, I did tell you this story. Praise God. You are the man, David, Nathan told him. So God certainly is no respecter of persons. And uh, he, he rebuked David for his sin. And David had to pay the consequences. David wanted to build a temple to God. David longed to build a temple for God. But God said, David, you're a man of war. You cannot do that. And so David stacked up everything. So on, upon his death, his son Solomon, the next king for the next 40 years, Solomon would uh, build this temple, and Solomon did. Praise God. And Solomon, the son of David, he loved the Lord. He took the office of the king Solomon went to Gideon and offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. Praise God. And it was Gideon, after the great offering that God appeared unto Solomon in a dream, and he said, almost like a genie, he said, I will give you whatever wish you have. And Solomon thought, and Solomon finally said, Lord, if you just give me the wisdom to lead my people, just give me knowledge. And it was the kind of question God said, okay, since you asked for the good thing, he says, I'm going to even give you the riches. Solomon received plenty of riches. Amen. You see, because the Bible said, if you seek the Lord first, seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. God will bless you if you will seek him first and put him first. Praise the Lord. You see, Solomon's request, and, and give you the desires of your heart. I'm older now. I'm around 30. I'm around. Uh, I wish I was 36. I got that backwards. Praise God. I love it. 36. I'm 36. Oh, you're going to love this. We were, you know how you got to get into the airlines? You got, or you walk up and you get into line. You get into line. You get into line. And you walk up and they're all numbered. Everybody's got a number. And you're all, you're saying, I'm 46, I'm 32, I'm whatever, I'm whatever, I'm... Well, I'm walking back and forth in this line with a whole bunch of people. This airport's packed. And I'm saying, I'm 50, I'm 50. And Cape's back there hollering, he wishes he was still 50. He wishes he was still... <laughs> and everybody's laughing. All right, let's start this out again. I'm 63, I got it right. And I have learned that there were things in my life <laughs> that I thought I wanted. And when I got them, I realized I really didn't care for them. 
if back if I was young again, and I would say, okay, Lord, you know what I want. He knows the desires of my heart. He'll bring it to me. And if I seek him first, he'll give it to me. And if I'll say, Lord, if you want me to have it, then let me have it. Praise God. And so, praise God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You see, Solomon's request reveals the true desire of his heart. He, man, that he wanted to be the king. And God blessed him and multiply him. Praise God. But Solomon's failures was, was, uh, is known uh, for his wisdom. The scriptures say, uh, say of him that there was none like him before thee, neither shall there be any un uh, like unto thee. You see, he knew for extreme wealth, he had many wives, and those wives brought in a tremendous amount of other gods. And once again, those gods would be happy with the God Jehovah for a while, but they ended up overtaken. You know, God is the kind of God that he says, there's no other gods before me. You can't have no other gods. Yes, he is jealous. Amen. So Solomon backslid. But Solomon builds the temple. It's the greatest accomplishment. It was a temple that was built in Jerusalem, 1 Kings 5. He built the temple after the pattern of the Lord, praise God, and had given David. The construction took seven years, and the temple included the holy place and the holiest of holies. You know, they lived in tents, so they moved because they lived in tents. The tabernacle was in a tent, so every time the cloud would move or any time the fire would move, they would have to pick that tent up and move it. But David wanted a place that was stationary for God. Praise the Lord. And so it was the place, the stationary for God. Because of Solomon's many sins, amen, God moved in on them, and there began to become a dividing of the kingdom. There were, uh, after Solomon died... There was a revolt. Solomon had built the great kingdom, but after his death, there was a dividing. Uh, one of his sons, Rehoboam, uh, threatened to lay even higher taxes. He did not take the counsel of the wise men. He took the counsel of the young men. And Rehoboam said, I'm going to make your taxes much higher than my dad did. And so they revolted. Uh, the kingdom of Israel, there was the northern kingdom, which considered the ten tribes, or consisted of the ten tribes. And of Israel, its capital was Samaria, and uh, its first king was Rehoboam. In, in effect, to keep the tribes from returning to Jerusalem, which was in the two southern tribes, they built their altars. They built their own altars unto the Lord. Uh, God, in his mercy, sent many prophets during this time uh, to, because he didn't want judgment to come upon them. There were, uh, Israel had Elijah and Elisha. Many men of God who performed many miracles of works. All these prophets were uh, fulfilled in their lifetime. But the people refused to continue to follow God or to walk with God. 2 Kings chapter 17 tells us. There were two of the kings of Israel were Ahab and Jehu. Ahab and his wife Jezebel were uh, notoriously wicked and served false gods. Baal was one of them. And their wickedness ranged from killing prophets of God <clears throat> to uh, murdering Naboth, uh, who uh, he wanted his land, and so he had him killed. Uh, 
So the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom, that was the northern kingdom, uh, consisted of two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. And it was known that the uh, kingdom of Judah, it was actually known as the kingdom of Judah. The first king of Judah was, Be- was Re- uh, Rehoboam, and the capital city was Jerusalem. Judah had 19 kings and one queen. Uh, unlike the kingdom of Israel, Judah did have some righteous kings in it, such as Jehoshaphat, uh, Jehoam, uh, Hezekiah, and etc. But the prophets warned Judah of the judgment that was about to come of God and the wrath that was upon them. <clears throat> God sent prophets such as uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Judah. Uh, these messages were of uh, the impending judgment. However, Judah refused to repent and in 606 B.C., before Christ, this nation began to be carried into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. The captivity lasted for 70 years. Judgment will soon come upon this world, and those who have, are not serving God will be carried away into the captivity. And so the nations were divided, idolatrous people, Jeremiah and the prophets of Baal. Jeremiah was a prophet of Israel. Praise God. And God, he came to prophesy against the wickedness of King Ahab and Ahab's wife, Jezebel. And praise God, they worshiped false gods and uh, followed that. Uh, Elijah threw down the gannet, saying that the Baal worshipers, and he had a contest with them to call on their gods. And to call, he was going to call on the name of the Lord and the one who answers by fire. And so the Baal worshipers began to do their sacrifice. And all along, he just waited and waited and waited. And then Elijah went up and he uh, called out upon the Lord. And, but before he did that, he, had, he ordered uh, 12, bale, uh, 12 barrels of water to be poured upon the wood sacrifice in the altar. And then a very brief prayer of faith, and God responded with a roaring fire. And so God moved on these prophets during this time, praise God. And there was Elisha and Elijah and these prophets. Isaiah prophesied of the Savior. He's in the, in the Old Testament. The book of Isaiah contains numerous prophecies of the coming of the Messiah. He talks in Isaiah 35, he talks about the blinded eyes being opened. Praise the Lord. And uh, sorrows being carried. Praise, and and uh, grief being taken. Isaiah 53 offers um, the darkest period of Jesus' life, the days after his arrest and leading up. So these prophets prophesied about the things that God is going to do. Amen. And the way that God is going to move. Amen. And then came the exile. While Israel and Judah were in captivity... The Assyria and the Babylon God sent them prophets to communicate his word. The promises God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still in effect, even to the children of Israel to this day. Ezekiel prophesied about a new life. He talked about a heart of flesh. He, and then, it's, remember the story where God said to Ezekiel about the, the valley of dry bones? He said, looked at the valley of dry bones, and he said to Ezekiel, he said, will these bones live? 
And one of the most amazing things is that's, what, that's a good answer. Ezekiel was a smart man. You know, Lord, you know, Lord, whether these bones will live. And so uh, he did. And then you remember Daniel. Daniel, praise God, prophesied during Israel's exile in Babylon. And uh, you remember Esther. Esther was a Jewish woman, lived in Persia sometime. These men were prophets, praise God. And then came the return of Israel, the, the, uh, when Israel took its place in its prophetic form. Praise God. Amen. And so, amen. Israel uh, began to um, restore itself. Um, this is where Hagar, Zechariah, Malachi, these people began to restore. They began to look at the things of God, wanting the things of God. You know, it's amazing how leadership actually, God kind of looks at leadership. Here's the thing about leadership, and I'm going to end here. A country is run by the majority of the people. If the majority of the people are for God, then those that are in leadership are for God. If the majority of the people are not for God, then the leadership's not for God. Your politicians are there because they've made people happy. They probably don't believe what they're saying. They're saying what, they want, what you want to hear. That's what politicians do. Praise God. And so, for the most part, now you have other type of politicians out there, but generally your leadership, your country leadership, is a mirror of what the country is. Because they vote them in or they put them into power. And so, praise the Lord, because the kings were not good and the leadership was not good, it basically was because the people weren't good. You can't blame just the leadership. Although leadership does affect. When David was king, he really, really made the nation live for the Lord. It does do that. But there is a tilting of the, uh, there is the tilting of the seesaw, and there is the fact. And so Israel began to, at the end of the Old Testament, they began to come back to the things of God, wanting the things of God. And that's where the Old Testament ends out. And so between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are 400 years of where there is what we call silence, where nobody really speaks of the things of God. You, you hear of no prophets. You hear of no things of God. And our next lesson, the sixth lesson, is going to start out, praise the Lord, with the introduction of the New Testament. And it's going to be the coming of Jesus. And so there are, it's called, it's actually called the 400 years of dark ages, of dark years. It was dark years when we, there's not really any writing of prophets Biblically wise, I'm sure that God spoke to people. I'm sure God had, some people had a relationship with God during that time. But it was not put into writing for our time. Let's all stand. Praise God. I can't get that out of my head. Yeah, I was going through there. I'm number 50. I didn't say number 50. I'm 50. I'm 50. And he's walking behind me saying, he wishes he was still 50. He wishes he was still 50. 
Lord, I love you, God, and praise you, Jesus, for this night. I thank you, Lord, for people that love you and love your word. God, I'm asking you, Lord, to let us depart from this place, but not from your presence. Let us take these lessons with us. And Lord, for they're going to bless us and help us that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Touch God and to move and to be with us. And God, we're going to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say 